We want to talk now to the Thonisha and leader of Fianna Fáil, Michal Martin, first. He set up the Shared Island Initiative when he became Taoiseach in 2020 and it is now giving almost €1 billion Euro to the A5 road between Derry and Ochnacloy on the Tyrone-Monaghan border, Casement Park in Belfast, an hourly train service between Belfast and Dublin at peak times and a bridge connecting the Cooley Peninsula to the Mourne Mountains. Thonisha, good morning. You're welcome. Good morning. Yeah. You're heading to Belfast today. Um Jeffrey Donaldson. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm in Belfast. You're there now. Yeah, Good okay. stuff. Well, Jeffrey Donaldson, the DUP leader, said yesterday that it wasn't the Irish government's job to fund infrastructure in Northern Ireland. It was the UK's. And he was talking about Casement Park. What do you say to him? Well, I think uh, as a preface to that, he said whilst the investments uh, generally under the announcements yesterday were welcome, uh, he did identify Casement Park uh, as a particular issue uh, um, for, for him. But I would say that uh, the, 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 the first point is that we all collectively want to host the Euros in 2028. It's a shared objective uh, between the UK, uh, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, um, Northern Ireland, um, in, in terms of, of what would be a wonderful tournament. And it would be a terrible shame if Belfast uh, was not in a position to host matches in that tournament. That's the context. Um, and um, I, you know, I, I, in my discussions with Chris Eden Harris, I, I think we always made it clear that we were there to support uh, Casement Park. Um, I, I don't see really that it should be an issue of contention. But ultimately, um, it's the, it, it will be the future home for Ulster GAA. And that's where it gets tricky, potentially, for the unionists, because that is about identity. It's about culture. Well, I think we need to begin to, I understand fully the issues of identity and sport, but we also need to look ahead uh, where we can accommodate um, different traditions, different sports and celebrate them as opposed to having issues um, with them. I mean, that's the whole spirit of the Good Friday Agreement was parity of esteem, uh, respect for different traditions and different cultures. I was watching recently Andrew Trimble's, um, if you call it a documentary, or his reflective piece on RTE in terms of identity in Northern Ireland sport, and I thought it was probably, whether he realised it or not, I think he was providing a pathway forward in terms of acknowledging our complex pasts and traditions, but then working out how we share them together into the future in a friendly um, and celebratory way. Because all sports people, irrespective of the code they play, uh, you know, love sport and celebrate mm. sport. And that's how we should go forward. And, uh, and that's how I would ask in, a, mm. in any of my discussions with my unionist uh, colleagues and politicians. Is the Irish government uh, that's limited the, that's to 50 the, that's the million? I would take. Are you limited to 50 million? Because the BBC last night reporting that the <coughs> ultimate cost for casement could be as much as 300 million pounds. Well, again, like everything, um, we have to see what the estimates are. I said this yesterday in respect of all of the projects, and um, it's never wise to speculate on uh, the price of any project before it goes to tender. Um, and uh, because very often the speculated <coughs> cost could become the floor price. And um, so I think the next stage is, is to get tenders in uh, to get an estimate of the real cost of this. Uh, but I think overall, I mean, there's a broad range of projects there yesterday covering education disadvantage, which I think is particularly significant, um, that we both learn from each other in respect of school completion, underachievement, uh, because that's vital for young people in marginalised communities that we can give them hope for the future and create capacity and expertise to enable them to complete their schooling, uh, as well as narrow water bridge mm-hmm. and so forth. But um, So I think we, we have to wait in terms of the specifics of casement, what the actual tender price comes in at. But do you think the money from the UK government for casement is secure, or could they pull the plug the way they did on their own high-speed rail project from London to Scotland? 
my sense was that it was secure and that it was an important part of um, the broader picture, if you like, of, of in- increasing and, and improving sports um, infrastructure across Northern Ireland. And I think uh, Chris Eden Harrison, I don't want to speak for Chris on this, but um, in, in my conversations, he's a, an avid sports fan himself, uh, having been a soccer referee. Uh, so I think he has a broad view in terms of improving sports facilities more generally, and that would include Casement. The Stormont executive will be contributing too, but their budget, as you know, is so stretched. Do they need to seriously look at ways to raise revenue themselves instead of relying on Dublin or London to help? Well, again, they're not relying on Dublin. I just want to make that point. These are cross-border infrastructure projects in the main. They're part of a shared island um, agenda, which is about um, having practical connectivity north and south and doing things that are of mutual benefit to people uh, living on the island and living uh, in in the north and and, and in the south. But I think, obviously, there's a significant um, subsidy from the UK government, although in the discussions that led up to the restoration of the executive in the Assembly, there was an acknowledgement from the UK government that the formula that decides on the allocation of, of revenue funding to Northern Ireland uh, has left Northern Ireland somewhat short, and, and that could be improved upon. But ultimately, all governments um, have to look at both uh, revenue-raising measures and, and um, you know, value for money in terms of expenditure uh, allocation. I mean, that is the function of governments. I want to ask you about Alexei Navalny, um, the Russian opposition leader who died in a Russian prison uh, last week. You, your department called in the Russian ambassador to Ireland yesterday. What was said? Well, we, we made it very clear, um, and the Secretary General summoned the Russian ambassador yesterday uh, on my behalf to explain. We, we condemned, obviously, Mr. Navalny's death, um, and um, uh, because we feel it reflects a very repressive um, regime that, that shuts down any form of internal dissent um, and freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. Uh, I met with Mr. Navalny's uh, w- widow um, on on. on, on Monday uh, at the Foreign Affairs um, Council, Yuri Navalny, who spoke to us. Um, and um, it was a very moving speech. Uh, but I think it reminds us all of the type of regime that's now operating in, 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 in Russia. Um, and we wanted to formally uh, communicate uh, that view, a view shared by the vast majority of the Irish people. Uh, we already have subjected Russia and the Russian leadership to the most expensive and hard-hitting sanctions in European history. About 2,000 individuals and entities are now subject to travel bans um, and to asset freeze measures. Uh, and that will continue. Um, and we communicated that to, to the, the Russian ambassador. Do you agree with Yulia Navalny and other Western leaders that her husband was killed by the Russian state? I do. There's no question about that. Um, and um, and I'm not just referring to the you know the actual immediate situation um, uh, at the weekend, but rather um, the progressive um, savage treatment of him in terms of the imprisonment, uh, his movement to the Arctic Circle. I think there are some harrowing accounts of uh, the latter stages of his detention um, in terms of the freezing cold. Um, in the cells, uh, the limited exercise, um, and a lot of that has been uh, well uh, articulated in various um, uh, analytical pieces on on on, on his imprisonment uh, and his captivity. It is quite chilling and and, and uh, ruthless uh, that any individual can be treated in this manner. Um, and uh, uh, it, it, as I say, I, I think when we look at the war in Ukraine, um, you know that's why many people in the Baltics and Poland, Czechia and elsewhere 
this is what they fear. Uh, they have memories of experiencing this in the past, their, their, their parents and their grandparents. And that is why for them the war in Ukraine is existential, and very often that's not fully appreciated, I think, uh, in, in Ireland or indeed in this part of the world, the degree to which those living closer to Russia fear this kind of a life if Putin is to be successful in expanding and in, um, in increasing um, his, his influence um, in the region and in particular gaining control uh, because who's next after uh, after Ukraine if Ukraine was to fall and that's why there's been such a collective effort particularly on behalf of those states to, to resist Putin's um, march. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us this morning. Tónisca and leader of Fianna Fáil, Minister for Foreign Affairs, Micheál Martin joining us live from Belfast this morning.